Welcome to the Business of Football podcast with your host, Rick Saratella. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Business of Football podcast. I am your host, Rick Ferratella, here on the All Access Football Network podcast series. And we have a very, very special guest. Uh, Really a pleasure and a treat, not just for myself, but our listening audience to speak with uh, the one, the only Mr. John Wooten, uh, former player. Uh, But today we're going to spend most of our time talking about his business side of football where he you know eventually became an agent a scout a team executive a league official Uh, I mean few people in the history of football have done more for this game than John Wooten so uh, we're gonna get into you know a look back at his career on the field off the field Uh, and of course today's show is presented by sports management worldwide Check out sportsmanagementworldwide.com. They have a slew of online courses that you can get involved with depending on what aspect of the football industry you want to break down in, uh, break down some doors and, and get into the business with it. You want to be an agent, they have an online course for that. You want to get into scouting and what it entails to work your way up the ladder and become a general manager. Uh, our friends, you know, Mark Dominic and Russ Landy do a great job with that course. You want to get into the salary cap side of the business. Uh, Joel, Joel Corey uh, spearheads that class. So, you know, you have all these wonderful mentors and, of course, Mike Stober uh, down with the Jaguars and Exos Digital uh, teaching the online video course and you know in two months you can essentially learn a trade in the business uh expand your network get involved and you know be on your way now still got to do the work but sports management worldwide can open up those doors of opportunity of course you know if you catch up with me out in india a a lot of you come by and and uh, pop in at the sports management worldwide football conference where you know um the, the panels are top-notch, all kinds of uh, industry professionals from all levels, uh, Vikings GM, Rick Spielman, uh, Adam Schefter is a frequent guest, uh, Mel Kuyper Jr., I think, popped over there, and, and he was a big part of starting up the sports management worldwide uh, programs, and I remember when they launched, uh, I think, 20, 22 years ago now, and uh, it was a unique concept at the time. Many, including myself, wondered if they would last. And now uh, they have proven to be the model uh, of what they do. And, um, you know, it's an honor to speak at their panel each year. And I I definitely learn a lot just listening to some of the other panelists speak as well. And I'm looking forward to uh, learning from our special guest today, uh, who is John Wooten, uh, of course, a member of those 1964 championship Cleveland Browns, uh, maybe not Super Bowl champions, but the football championship shutout of those Baltimore Coats 27 to nothing uh, behind the one, the only Jim Brown. Uh, so definitely looking forward to 
uh, asking them about some of those war stories. And uh, it looks like we have our special guest on the hotline for today. Like we previously stated, John Wooten joins us on the Sports Management Worldwide Hotline. Uh, Mr. Wooten, welcome into the show. I know you're a busy man. We appreciate you taking some time out of your day and, and uh, you know, enlightening us with some of your stories on the business side, on the field, off the field, and uh, some good things that you have going on. Rick, happy to talk with you and happy to be with you. Good morning. Good morning. And... You know, I know um, you've been involved with the uh, wonderful folks over at Sports Management Worldwide, and we're going to talk about your involvement with them. But, you know, since we have you here, I know it's been uh, recently uh, announced that you've uh, resigned, you know, retired from your executive director role at the Fritz Pollard Alliance. They're now looking for a new chairman, I believe. But uh, if you can... You know, spend a minute or two here and talk to me about your role. Uh, you've been, you know, from from what I've seen out in the media, you've been praised and you've been lauded and, and you know, maybe uh, done a great job. Others have criticized you for maybe not doing a good enough job. I mean, this is a difficult job to be handed. Uh, where does the Fritz Pollard Alliance stand now uh, with your departure? Well, I think that we're in great shape. Uh, there are a couple of guys that uh, have interviewed, well, several have interviewed, but they narrowed it down to a couple of people. I'm not involved in the selection of that, rightfully so. As I told them, I would think that would be unfair uh, to bring in a guy that I said this is the guy we should go with. Uh, I think that the four or five guys that interviewed, all of them, had great credentials and great backgrounds and commitment to the vision that Fitch Pollard Alliance has, and that is to simply make the NFL one of the most diverse and inclusive uh, organizations or leagues in, in all of pro sports. And I think that the league is committed to that as well, so I think it's going to be a great, great future for everyone. Well, we uh, we applaud your job that you've done. You served as uh, chairman there since 2003, I believe. And, well, you've yeah. worn so many – some. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry. So many hats you've worn in the football uh, world. I mean, I you know, before you joined us, I said, you know, not, very few people, if any, have done as much for the game of football as yourself, mm-hmm. not only as a player – but your post-playing career, you went on to become uh, an agent. You were a director of scouting uh, for the Cowboys for nearly two decades, uh, the VP of player personnel for the Eagles, and then, of course, the assistant of director of, of pro scouting for the Ravens. Um, all these different hats, all these different perspectives of the football world, uh, you know, looking back on it, is, is there a, one job that was tougher than the other? No, not really. Uh, and, and Rick, I, I'm a very blessed person. I know that Lou Gehrig once said that he was once one of the luckiest men in all the world, and I feel that I'm one of the most blessed people in all of this country because, number one, uh, wherever I've been involved, they're around great people to work with, great people to mm-hmm just committed to doing 
for lack of any other word, just doing what is right. And, and of course, as I said, when I first left uh, the playing arena, after 11 years, I felt that I wanted to become a representative uh, agent because I felt that working with players, you could help them to not only solidify their future, but more so understand what they need to do in preparing for when this game is over, you know, and it comes very quickly when you're playing it. All of a sudden, you've been out here 10, 12, 13 years, and if you don't take care of what you've had in terms of salary and financial, you can find yourself in a lot of trouble. And uh, I wanted to work in that area for that reason, and we were fortunate in 1973, Rick, we had seven number one draft picks. And that Unbelievable. Outstanding uh, Chuck Foreman, Otis Armstrong, uh, Burgess Owens, uh, Wally Chambers. I don't even, I don't know how old you are, Rick. You may not even ever heard of these guys. That was in 73, Billy Joe Dupree. Also in that group was an old guy, wide receiver named Drew Pearson. He was a free agent with the, sure. or with the Cowboys. And, you know, but as I said, we just, we've just been blessed. And then, of course, uh, I, I truly feel that 73 is what sort of led Tex Ram and Gil Grant to offer me a position of coming with them as it relates to uh, personnel there at the Cowboys. Scouting, I worked the East, I worked the West for them from 75 until 91. Uh, and, of course, uh, Jerry and... Jimmy and those guys came in in 89, and we were able to make some deals, uh, a couple of the deals with the Herschel Walker trade that I thought was a trade to turn the Cowboys around. Because out of that trade, we ended up with five, six number one picks. And one of the guys coming out of that was Emmett Smith. Uh, he made a trade with the from the Minnesota's 21st pick that we had to move up to the Steelers' 17th pick. And I think that is one of the trades. Uh, Woodson uh, was in that trade as well with, that brought the, uh, the Cowboys, what I thought was really, really exactly what they needed to get going and so forth. Uh, also, uh, but the Herschel Walker trade was one of the biggest trades that I was involved in in terms of just numbers because we, uh, what the Vikings wanted to do was to attach players to draft choices. And uh, we were able to work it out so that the uh, – Knowing that well, Jimmy is not going to keep any players, we were able to make sure that we got that 
going just the way we wanted. And, and from that, the Harper and just so many guys came out of that trade that turned the Cowboys around. Even though I wasn't with them following the uh, – because on Mother's Day in 91, uh, Jerry Jones said that they were going to go in another direction. And so I was released from that and, of course, uh, went on to the NFL. I worked in the NFL under what is now called play engagement. But we established that program in 91 there at the league, again, trying to work with players to get them so many players coming out now, and you see it every day early. And this, of course, <coughs> creates a, <coughs> excuse me, a situation where they're not finishing college. So one of the things in that program allows players to go back to college. They don't have to go back to the school where they play. They can go to colleges right there in the area where they play now and finish up their degrees. But all of this, as I said, I feel has been a great blessing to me. Unbelievable. Uh, so many different follow-ups I can go there. I mean, the legends and, and Hall of Famers that you worked with, Chuck Scram and Gil Brandt and uh, Tom Landry and then Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson and all these guys. Uh, but to me, the Herschel Walker trade is still the single greatest trade in the history of the NFL, and only because you guys were able to identify talent and execute on those picks, you know, the Saints uh, traded away all their uh, picks for Ricky Williams. And, you know, I forget the team that even acquired all those draft picks because they didn't do anything with them. You guys, all, all those you know. Picks went to Washington. Yeah, they mm-hmm. went to Washington. It was a team that got all those picks. Right. right. And, uh, and But you guys were able to parlay it into Hall of Famers, like, you know, Emmett Smith, Russell Maryland, and then guys like Darren Woodson, uh, Kevin Smith, they, these all, and then additional picks and future trades, and all this came from that single great trade yeah. uh, of the Herschel Walker deal. 1989, and, and, and the thing about it, Rick, you know, we really fell into it because I had called Jerry Rockow, I don't know if you remember all these guys. Jerry Rockow was director of player personnel with the Vikings. But the relationship is Jerry Rockow had played with the Eagles, tied in with the Eagles and so forth, way back when we were all playing, right? So, consequently, we had relationships. And I called him to ask, there was a linebacker named uh, uh, Howard that they had drafted from Long Beach State. And that's what I was calling about, to see if they would be willing to maybe for a fourth or something like that to um, wow. treat us uh, uh, Howard. And as, as a matter of fact, if you go back and look at the trade, you'll see that Howard is in this trade from Long Beach State. And, uh, <clears throat> and, 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 Mike Lynn, who is the general manager, uh, comes on the phone and he says, what do you want for Herschel? And I said, hey, Mike, 
if you're talking seriously, you got to come with draft choices and players to get Herschel Walker. He said, I'll put together something and send it to you. I said, well, put it together. And that's back, show you how long ago, that's when we were faxing and going on, right? <laughs> you know, we put together and faxed it into us and uh, started. And we just scratched through and told them who we would take and who we wouldn't take. And, you know, and, and Jimmy, you know, Jimmy was one of those wild uh, Wild bull riders, as I call them, and you know, and <laughs> you know, we got it together and done. But as, as I said, it's in my mind, it's no question. And I told Jerry that before I left in '91. I said, I think that we have put together what you need here to win. You know, and uh, and you know, they had some excellent coaches there. You know, once they had. North Turner, oh, yeah. all those guys later went on to become coaches in other places, head coaches, uh, you know. So, but that was a trade that I think that made the Cowboys, what brought them back to where, mm-hmm. where they, you know, is America's team. No doubt about it. Uh, and you got your guy, David Howard, too, from Long Beach State, along with uh, <laughs> Jesse Solomon, Isaac Holt, yes. Aaron Nelson, Alex Stewart, and then – a running back trade, I can't, I could never even imagine in today's NFL a running back being traded in exchange for three first-round picks, three second-round picks, a third-round pick. Um, unbelievable. Well, that, that's the deal. You know, I, as I said, I, I, I sometimes look at that and go, what was going on when you were, you know, but, but, but uh, I felt that in all fairness to Mike Lynch, that they felt that they was one player away from the Super Bowl. Remember, they had been in the Super Bowl four or five times and had not ever won it. Mm-hmm. Sure. But they felt that one guy could do it for them. And, you know, when you look at Herschel with his speed, size, and everything, you know, that, you know, you have a chance to, to get this thing going. And that's how they went about doing it. And, uh, you know, but, again, it goes back to you got to have everybody working together. Personnel, coaching, all of that has to have the areas of where you trust each other. And as I said, I uh, when we were making it with Mike Lynn, I said to him, you know, you got to put something together that's going to really push us over. Otherwise, we, we won't do it. But if you make it right, you know, we can get this thing done, and that's, you know, what they end up doing. Well, you know, like they like like they say here in New Jersey, they made you an offer you can't refuse. And there, <laughs> there you go. That's that's enlightening story on the Herschel Walker trade. And I didn't know all the details of that. Fascinating. And, you know, we could, we could probably sit here and spend an entire day talking about uh, – some of your experiences and, you know, I know you have, uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you have other things to do, but let's just take a look back here because we mentioned all the hall of famers that you worked with, but you yourself, I happened to be at the Waldorf Astoria back in 2012 for your college football hall of fame induction. And uh, you were also inducted into the Browns ring of honor 
in 2010, of course, uh, that 1964 championship game uh, behind Jim Brown. I mean, you guys just pummeled them 27 nothing. Can you tell us a story about that game? You know, these things just really, as I said early on, I've just been blessed. Uh, We come into Cleveland in 1959 uh, with Paul Brown and so forth, and we come in as messenger guard out of Colorado. And um, as a matter of fact, Chuck Noll, the great coach there at the Steelers and all, was one of the messenger guards before I came. And uh, and I used to tease him all the time that I made him a linebacker, you know. Because <laughs> I took over and so forth. But that, as you know, Paul Brown had left us after the 62 season and uh, Blaine Collier, who was the offense coordinator for us, took over with just tremendous uh creativity and with the passing game and the running game that he believed so strongly in. And he had such an unbelievable relationship. It was almost a father-son type relationship. They believed in each other. And, uh, and of course, going into that game in 64, just think about what the Baltimore Colts had. Mackey and Parker and uh, Gino Marchetti and uh, uh, Donovan, who had destroyed me in a college all-star game in 59 when the college all-stars used to play the NFL champions. And Donovan had just eaten my lunch, Rick, I tell you. But so we won. They are favored by 21 points. Because, wow. you know, Jimmy United, Lenny Moore, look at, just look at uh, their, oh, Ray Berry, they, they had seven, if not eight, Hall of Famers on that squad. And they came into Cleveland, and we stayed at a hotel. Uh, we were one of the few teams that stayed at a hotel at a home game night before. All of this was under Paul Brown's tutelage and so forth. And the hotel we were staying at was there on 9th Street and Prospect there in downtown Cleveland. And the thing about it is the Baltimore Colts fan club called the Corral was staying there. And, we, of course, they were hooping the Holland and the marching band was there, and we always, before we would leave, I, I would always ride with Jim uh, to the game from the hotel, and then our wives would come on together and, uh, you know, and, and ride together so that we had two cars to go back home and so forth. And uh, so the, the band, the Baltimore Colts, the little Corral band came in and they played taps right almost insulting really right in front of us you know and they clapped and carried on about how they were going to destroy us and on the way to the car Jim looks at me and he says 
we're going to kick the hell out of them today. <laughs> I know we'll forget that. But we're going to kick the <laughs> hell out of them. And, boy, we went out there, as you well know, the score at halftime was 0-0. Zero, zero. And, uh, and, but the thing about that game, none of you considered to be one of the great all-time quarterbacks in the National Football League, in my estimation, had thrown this little short screen out to Lenny Moore. And he had the blockers, and this thing had touchdown on it all the way. And Galen Fish, our linebacker, outside linebacker, and captain, came under that and made the play. Instead of them having a touchdown going down, with Lenny Moore, Galen had them for a three-yard loss, and we went crazy on the bench. <laughs> that was that was a turning play of that game. Gary Collins, of course, as you know, was playing right through uh, three touchdown passes for him, and Lou Groza kicked two field goals, and we went 27 to nothing. But when you to shut out a team like the Baltimore Colts were, to shut them out, with the offense that they had was just phenomenal to us. But the play of that game really was Galen Fish making that play on Lenny Moore. You know. Fascinating. Okay. Just uh, unbelievable. Uh, we're talking to special guest John Wooten here with Rick Saratella, Business of Football podcast brought to you the, by the sportsmanagementworldwide.com and you know sports management worldwide has a slew of online courses that you can get involved one with one being the agent course and uh mr wilton you said earlier that you know selecting an agent can be one of the biggest decisions of your career and i've talking to i've spoken to uh numerous players that have made the wrong decision uh, when it comes to selecting an agent and, you know, that could be a uh, significant downfall, like you said, for your post playing career. Um, because while there are a lot of good agents like yourself, there's also a lot of bad agents. And I'm, I'm curious to, to hear from you um, what would be the biggest mistake or, or pitfall that some of these players make coming out of college. I've been covering the NFL draft now for 18 years. I've seen how the the agent landscape has changed over the past two decades. I can only imagine when you were coming out in 1959 out of the University of Colorado, uh, how different agent representation was. And then again, when you decided uh, to become an agent, you know, you spent a decade in the league and then became an agent afterwards. So I'm just curious to get your thoughts because we always try to educate the players coming out, you know, uh, for next year's draft and drafts down the road. Uh, Based on all of your years of experience, what is the criteria? What is important? What is the biggest mistake that these players are making? Um, And it seems like a lot of bad advice, all these underclassmen coming out and then, you know, three years down the road fit more than 50% of them are out of the league already. And, and that, that, Rick, what you hit on there is just so important. And, you know, uh, I have sort of a hang-up a little bit with players coming out early. And yet I recognize that 
sometimes the players need to come because you can help your family. You know, I mean, I, I understand that. I grew up in a household. I'm the youngest of six for a single mother, and she was, had to work domestic cleaning up homes for, for uh, people and so forth. And I understand why sometimes you need to come out early and so forth. But what you have to understand is when people will try to take advantage of that, and, and agents, many of them, and there's some great agents out here. Don't just don't let me make you think that all of them are bad people. But when you have an agent that comes to you and offer you money, knowing that this is a violation of the NC2A, whether you agree with it or not, it's the rule. And in this world of ours, we live by laws and rules. Whether you agree with the rule or not with the rule, you have to be suspicious of people who will, number one, break those rules. That should be the first warning, that a person is asking you to break a rule that he knows is a violation that can make your school ineligible, create problems for you. That should be the first line that a person is asking you to do that or be involved in that. That should tell you right there, get out of there. You know, you know, and they will come with, oh, well, we know that you need some help and so forth. That's the first thing. Secondly, you should ask him or her if it's a lady. There are some very good lady agents out here as well. Let me talk directly, me, to two or three of your clients, maybe someone you know is a client of his, and ask them directly, how does he go about setting up the budget? How does he go about doing what I need an agent to do in terms of representation, the, the investment program? That's where guys have gotten killed because their monies are put into investments and the return is nothing or the business just goes out and so forth. Now, fortunately, the NFL has come with some real good plans here over the last few years that has to do with uh, 401Ks. The NFL has a program where they will match any money you set aside for investment and so forth and match it. And all of these things are very helpful to people. But you gotta the young people got to know these things exist so that they don't get hoodwinked. And the last thing that they've done that is very meaningful, and that is the agent can only charge you two or three percent of your contract. Keeping in mind, Rick, you could walk in there with a player, you're going to get X amount of dollars because where you drafted or the signing, whatever's going on, you're going to get X amount of dollars. So consequently, there's no reason to give the agent part of what you would get. As I say to guys, if your little sister went in there with you, you're going to get X amount of dollars 
So be smart with it. Start from there. But the big thing is do not get involved with anybody who would ask you to break a rule that we all know is a rule by accepting money from them or, you know, those kind of things is what you want to be alert to. A guy comes and offers you money, and you know it's under undercover, uh, on the ground, or whatever. You should immediately start running away from this guy because he's asking you to break a rule. Whether you agree with the rule or not, it is still a rule. Okay. Now, tremendous, tremendous advice here with uh, John Wooten, Rick Saratella here, Business of Football podcast, talking about the agent business right now and you know last one for you today uh mr Wu and i would love to speak to you again there's just so much to cover but i do know um you know we were introduced through our friends over at the sports management worldwide and they've been doing uh online courses now for you know i think over two decades and i remember when they first began they they run a wonderful program and i know you were uh one of the key contributors and helping them get off the ground with this venture. Uh, uh, just if you can talk a little bit about your involvement with uh, Mr. Lastbrook, the sports management worldwide family and, and how far back you get with those folks. We go way, way back. Oh, what, 10, 12 years now. And, and uh, I'm not going to give Dr. Lastbrook any credit. Liz is the one that makes it go. Uh, she's outstanding in organization and so forth. Uh, we've been very happy and blessed because, number one, we think that players should have representation. And they need to have it, and they need to get it from people who are trained and going to work for them to help them in all directions, not only going back to school. It is so important that uh, players take it upon themselves to finish their college education. And what we, and of course, Dr. Lashbrook and Liz pushes this very strongly as well, to put this together to make sure that time and time again, you're preparing for when you're no longer working. And what we've been able to do over the years, and I'm really proud of this, is the fact that they were able to help them to, <laughs> excuse me, to get into the combine and be able where the young people can see the combine up close and personal. Uh, You know, when they go there every year, they can go in the stands. They can't be over there where the coaches and scouts are, and rightfully so, but they can sit on the other side and take notes and check things and just see how all of this works in terms of, uh, and it gives them a great insight. I, I love the time that I was an agent. I thought it could help you to be very, very meaningful in uh, shaping young men's lives. Uh, again, I emphasize the finishing up of school, the college degrees and so forth. And uh, all of this just works in the flavor, uh, flavor of preparing you for when you leave this game. It's a great game. We all love it. I'm a great spectator of it. I go to high school games, Rick, and I don't know one single kid out on the field, nor any of the coaches. 
but they have some pretty good football down here in Texas, as you know, in high school. So we enjoy it all. And, and, and football is just giving me a way of life. I tell people all the time, I'm like Jack Nicholas. When you're doing something that you enjoy, you can't call it work, you know. And, and that's where I am. I, you know, we've had a, a great time, and it's been everything that I've ever dreamed it would be to help me to where I am now. I'm 82 years old, be 83 this year, and it's just it's been phenomenal. Uh, I wouldn't want it any other way. I've been blessed. Thank you. Well, outstanding. We could only all hope to be as blessed as you and uh, what a joy it was talking football with you. And boy, oh boy, if I'm down in Texas, you can guarantee I'm going to make a phone call and seek you out and maybe catch in one of those high school games with you because I'm like you. I've got the, I've got the sickness too. And, and it's, it's an all day passion and a love affair, but uh, that's the kind of sound advice and expertise uh, agents who go through the sports management worldwide program uh, can learn invaluable advice from individuals like yourself, like Dr. Dr. Lashbrook, and you guys have uh, represented so many players uh, throughout the years. So uh, we definitely appreciate you taking the time again. Hopefully we can speak to you soon. And uh, thank you so much for imparting the knowledge that you were able to share with us today. All right. Well, anytime you're down here in Texas, make sure you get in here on Friday uh, during the fall. Oh, yeah. And we'll take a game, and we'll make sure we take you somewhere and get you a couple of real good ribs instead of that. You and Philly, uh, of course, that cheesesteak is pretty good anyway. But <laughs> like that real good, okay. Well, hey, All listen, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you up on that offer, and I, I might come out there just to spend some time with you. Well, listen, I, listen, I'm here looking out the window. That's because I told him it's time for me to go home and look out the window, and that's what I'm doing. All righty? <laughs> well, we'll be in touch. And, again, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day, and I'm sure we will chat soon, my friend. All right, partner. Take care. All righty. All right. Thank you, Rick. You got it. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. That Bye. is uh, Mr. John Wooten, a legend. Uh, gracing us with his presence here on the Business of Football podcast. Again, uh, a member of the Browns' 1959 NFL draft class, a fifth-round pick playing 10 years in the league with the Redskins as well, 1964 champions, two-time Pro Bowl, first-team All-Pro, and a member of the 2012 College Football Hall of Fame inductee class, the Browns' Ring of Honor in 2010, and the list goes on and on. Post-retirement, even a uh, just as prestigious career as an agent, director of scouting for the Cowboys for 17 years, the Eagles VP of personnel, and of course the assistant director of pro scouting with the Ravens from 98 to 2003. Of course, 2003 becoming the chairman of the Fritz Pollard Alliance and uh, just recently stepping down, I believe, a few weeks ago at the age of 83. God bless him. He is Mr. John Woon. I was your host, Rick Saratella. Till the next time, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. And be sure to subscribe for future shows. The All Access Football Network.